Welcome to the You May Be Right Podcast, part of Elite Sports Radio, the place where New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox fans can't stand one another. Or maybe they can. Wonderful host JB and the co-host with the most, Paulie D. How you doing, JB? I'm doing great, Paulie D. Happy New Year! Thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Hope uh, you and yours are doing well. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since we've been back in this. We've been in the studio, hasn't it? It has. It and has indeed. Christmas and New Year's have happened since then. Did you have a nice holiday season? We did. We went back to visit the family in Connecticut. They were lovely. Um, we you know we couldn't ask for more hospitality. The train ride back was actually pretty gorgeous. On Metro North, everyone was very kind with us, with the baby and everything. It was this, great. This was your first Christmas with the baby, too, wasn't For, it? it? It was. It was. He's still not sleeping. How old is he now? What, like a month and a half, two months? He's about two months. Yeah, okay. he's still not sleeping. Not sleeping. All right, what's that like? Um, well, I'll tell you what. Um, so, we, you know, my wife and I, and she's, you know, and I love her, and she's, and she's the best, and we've worked out a deal. She takes the overnight. And I take the early mornings. So, I, so by overnight, like, does that mean, like, any time... Post mom and dad going to sleep, she's she's in charge. Right till about four in the morning. So so and and start that's starting when around like I don't know like ten eleven. Yeah, it could be could be ten, could be midnight. Okay. Dep- depends how long he sleeps. So, right? so so the in time varies is what you're saying. Yeah. So if he okay. woke up every hour on the hour, she would <laughs> get up seven times oh, between no. between eight or nine when we go to bed and and, and four in the morning when yeah. I get up and ready to start my day. It's it's the worst. I don't know how I lucked into this deal. Um, it's the worst deal for her. I've. It's it's like if you and I went out for pizza. Okay. And which we have done several times. We have, and it's we've had. It's like we, if you and I went up to Louis and Ernie's. Sure. And, Crosby Avenue, great spot. Oh, it's amazing. And we ordered, you know, we ordered a large pie. And I said, okay, here's the deal. All the pizzas for me, and you get a kick in the nuts. That's, <laughs> oh, no. That, that's, literally, that's literally what, the, it's the worst, it's the worst, but God, God bless her. You know, she says, you know, you take the early mornings, and she gets like a, a concentrated amount of sleep from like 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., and that's me, and, and that's me and Teddy time, and that's yeah. when we get to spend that time together, and it's priceless. It really is. All right, and um, and also um, you mentioned that Emily has a certain new pet peeve that you know, drives her up the wall. So I wake up at night, and um, whenever she gets up, I, you know, I get up briefly, and I always yeah. ask her what time it is, and sometimes I don't realize I'm doing it. But she says to me that I ask her, you know, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? This is, I, this is when the baby's crying. The baby's crying and all the rest of it. She goes, what time is it? I'm always going, what time is it? What time is it? And she's like, Paul. If you ask me, what time is it? One more time. I said, well, you know, I'm just wondering because I'm wondering if it's morning. I really am. Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, she stopped answering me now. That's it. She just doesn't. She just doesn't answer me anymore. Because that... similarly in my household, because 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 my wife Caitlin and I, um, we do not have children yet, as you are well aware. We we have cats. 
one of whom is a 16-year-old foster that we're actually losing this weekend. I'm, sa- I'm sad to say he's going back to Vermont. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, hold on. <laughs> you know, at least you... Th- th- there's more of the story. So, what, so this the 16-year-old cat <laughs> Netic, we've named him. He's he's um, it's kitten spelled backwards. He has a habit of around usually five or six in the morning crawling up to like right between the pillows. Looking at one of us and just going like, wanting food. God bless him. Yeah, yeah. No, he, and you know, he advocates for himself. And you're at, and you're asking uh, Caitlin, uh, Emily, what time it is? What happened to me the other day? She goes, she's like, Josh, feed the cats. Now, mind you, I'd gotten up to use the bathroom at like four, four thirty in the morning early, earlier on. Right. So, and when Caitlin said this, I felt like I had just gone back to bed. Sure. Meanwhile, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, you don't realize. You don't... Cats? And then all of a sudden, I, I put my head up on my eyes. It's light outside. Us men don't realize how much time has passed after we don't. we've fallen asleep. It's it's a it's a it's a male thing. No, it's not a male thing. But but the point is, I've stopped doing it because I feel like I'm going to end up, you know, seeing some one of those weird cartoon Babadook drawings of me in a noose hanging from a freaking light post. One <laughs> oh day. boy! What happened there? I'm, oh, he just he just died of not knowing what time it was. I See, I, I should make that kind of drawing for Caitlin because Caitlin's annoying habit that gets on my nerves is um we'll be watching tv we'll be watching guys grocery games or, or sure. chopped or whatever yeah and then like if it's a commercial i'll turn it to you know mlb network or whatever game is on and she know and she knows it's only for the commercials but she still gripes about it i swear like and usually I'll, um after about let's say two and a half three minutes i'll switch it back and then just rewind accordingly but like clockwork after 30 seconds is the show back yet we just changed the channel is the show back yet? Hey, you know, you're going to have kids someday, and they're going to ask you if Are we there yet? Are we there yet? They're going to ask you if you're there. Why? 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 Boston sucks. Why? 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 Anyway, we could um, banter about our families and marriages all day, but we've got uh, some baseball to talk, because this is the You May Be Right podcast home on uh, Elite Sports Radio, and... Um, the Red Sox fan took some great notes today. JB, uh, what are we looking at? What are we looking at first here? Uh, let, let's start with uh, David Robertson because there, there's actually a lot to cover on this. Oh, the one that got away. The one that got away. Good lord! Uh, all right, so let's set the stage. David Robertson, who spent last season with the New York Yankees, signed a two-year contract, guaranteed for twenty-one million, club option for a third year at twelve, two million dollar buyout. With the Philadelphia Phillies. Negotiated all by himself, he will no doubt be glad to tell you. And, and after he signed this deal, I saw a bunch of writers just roasting him on Twitter, saying he caught he cost himself X amount of money, but he saved himself like a million dollars. I mean, be that as it may, um, you know, from the from a Boston perspective, he was somebody that was really on the Boston radar. All the news had him and the Red Sox not on the cusp, but at least you know he was he, the red the Sox always seemed in the mix for David Robertson so to lose him to Philly he's i think he solved a lot of problems in that bullpen he's a fabulous arm you know i think i think Red Sox fans were sorry to see him go off the board uh to the Phillies although i do think Sox fans would be glad that he's out of the league you know so they don't have to face him across you know so don't have to face him 19 times a year in a in a Yankee uniform no i definitely respect that um it's such a strange thing because Robertson last year, eight and three out of the bullpen. Right. Three point two three ERA, five saves, ninety-one strikeouts in sixty-nine and two-thirds innings. Um, I feel that the Red Sox kind of took a pass on him for a couple of reasons. First off, he's not a spring chicken anymore. No, he's not. He's gonna be thirty-four on April 9th. 
Now, mind you, he's in great shape. He pitches a lot bigger than like being 5'11", 195. Sure. On R2C2, CC Sabathia will often say he's the most flexible guy he's ever seen. Um, but at the same time, uh, people were saying, why didn't the Yankees try to bring him back or, or anything like that? Uh, on the Michael Kay show, I think it was earlier this week or maybe when the signing was announced, uh, the Yankees never really made him an offer, yeah. never showed much, much interest. Why and do you I, think that was? Um, well, it depends on who you believe, but there is a rumor circulating amongst the New York media that Robertson pissed off a lot of people in the locker room. This is a story from George A. King III from the New York Post. Apparently, <clears throat> um, in the final week of the regular season when the Yankees were playing the Rays in St. Pete, um, there was a players-only meeting to determine postseason shares. So for those, so for the casual fans listening, the amount of money that players make per year that is only for the regular season. It does not include the playoffs. Right, and there's a pot that they get at the. There end. is a pot. There is a pot. Um, there's a pot that the players split up, and usually the coaches and training staff will get some kickback too, just because they're important to the team as well. Um, according to the story from George King, Robertson chaired this players only meeting that apparently Boone, Aaron Boone was in, offered some pointers and then left because players only, uh, Robertson, um, gave assistant hitting coach PJ Pilater half a share, Zach Fierro, an analyst for the major league coaching staff and a regular in the traveling room party received nothing. And several support staffers who travel with the team regularly, who got uh, playoff shares in 2017, did not get them this year. I mean, that can't sit well with the longtime members of the organization. Yeah. Now, 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 um, King is important. Is uh, he? No, it's right here, and this is very important. Coaches and trainers aren't guaranteed a share. No, that's but are historically voted full shares, right, especially right. if they're very dedicated to their job. Now, Robertson, he's only one vote, but he had enough pull to sway the rest of the locker room to to not give these guys some playoff shares. No, and he's clearly clever enough to negotiate his own darn contract, you know, he's he's, he's obviously a well-spoken guy who, you know, who knows his who knows his way around facts and he, figures. He's smarter than the Alabama accent lets on for sure. <laughs> you know, I mean I take that back, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, like I said, the guy the guy negotiated his own contract, so it's so it doesn't surprise me that if he was against something that other players would follow along with him. Um but be that as it may, I mean, you know, it's it's. I mean, do you think the Yankees are? Do you think the Yankees are sad to let to see Robertson go to the Phillies? I don't think they're necessarily sad to see him go because, like, because like I said, he's about to turn thirty-four, and while he he played very well last year, he also gave up a couple of clutch game tying or go ahead home runs to the other team. Um, he was getting a little predictable. Right. I, mean, I haven't looked at how I haven't looked at how often he was using you know the the curveball, the cutter, the fastball. Sure. Um, but Robertson, he's a great reliever. He he holds a lot of guys back with inherited runners. Um, but in terms of the Yankees being sad to see him go, I'm having a hard time believing that. If only just because, first off, they just re-signed Zach Britton, who we'll get into in a second. Of course. The bullpen is stacked because how, how quickly we forget guys like Chad Green, Jonathan Holder. Um, but the point is there's so much depth especially in the pitching department on the, on the Yankee team, you look at their top 30 prospects, more than 15 of them are pitchers. Right. And some of them are starters, some are relievers, but these are guys who you could easily slot in to fill a one-inning role in the bullpen. No, their A bullpen is deep, too. I mean, their A bullpen goes all the way back to the fifth inning. 
You know, yeah. if, if if they they need starters to go maybe five uh, in in certain games, if it, if it's a big game, uh, they could you know a starter could go four, and you and you'll still come out with a win with the bullpen as presently constituted with the signing of Zach Britton. I think from a Sox perspective, Red Sox fans are disappointed. I don't think the team is obviously. I think the writing was probably looking in retrospect was probably on the wall after after they pass on Joe Kelly, who signs for an average annual value of about eight million. So if they're yeah, not well, with, the, with the Dodgers. Right. Right. Yeah. So if they're not going to bite on Joe Kelly for eight million average annual value a year, um, they're you know they're def- certainly not going to bite on David Robertson who wants twelve million a year for somebody who they don't who they obviously didn't see as a closer. Uh, be that as it may, uh, one note on uh, Robertson negotiating his own contract. What's really crazy to me is that he's got two years guaranteed for for twenty one million, which is a pretty nice guarantee over two years. Yeah, absolutely. With a club option for a third year at twelve million, or a buyout at two million, he's thirty-four. Didn't he just guarantee himself twenty-three million dollars, and that's and that's about it? I mean, I mean, he's got to do some pretty crazy things to get that club option to kick in for twelve million in the third year. Well, I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that um, the Phillies, their role for him, it's not exactly set in stone because sure. I'm looking at the Phillies ESPN depth chart right now, and Robertson is listed as the closer. But what about this guy, Sir Anthony Dominguez? Two point nine five ERA, sixteen saves last year, seventy four strikeouts in fifty eight innings. The kid's twenty four. Yeah, he's nipping at his heels. Yeah, so maybe now we we know the Phillies manager Gabe Kapler. He's a little too heavy handed with the analytics, so maybe he's trying to play the, do with this bullpen, just play the matchups and whoever and whoever the matchups favor in the ninth inning, that's who's going to get the save opportunity. But that seems like it works against Rob. It, it works. It cuts against Robertson in that. It does. Are, are you? I mean, I mean, are you telling me then that the Phillies? I, and I don't think you are. I think I think we're in agreement on this. That I think the Phillies will easily be able to find somebody to replace a 36-year-old Dave Robertson, and they'll just buy him out, and then he'll then he'll be in search of another team at age 36. I mean, assuming he still wants to play at that point. Sure. Um, assuming that he doesn't close the lights out, because Robertson he can close games. No, he's. he's I mean, he's 20, a great talent. 2014 with the Yankees, 39 saves. Chicago White Sox, he had a grand total of, let's see, he had 84 saves for the Chicago White Sox in two and a half seasons. So the the kid, the guy can pitch. He's not a kid anymore. No, no. He's a, he, look, he's a, he's a real talent in the back end of a bullpen who's been there in the big spots, who's come up big in big spots. Remember his performance in the playoffs last year against the Red Sox? He he pitched really, really well. Well, yeah, because like I said earlier, he's really good at handling inherited runners. And that he, um, and that I remember I went to a game uh, several years ago. He's great against lefties. Oh. Yeah, I, a game went to a game several years ago. This was Yankees Orioles. He came in bases loaded. The man induced a triple play. Like what? The guy can pitch. Sure. I mean, the, my only point. My only point is though, in, is that in the, with the structure of his contract, it it really hands in the in that third year all the leverage to the club. And none of the leverage to David Robertson. I mean, and one thing he's going to have to do if he wants to get that third year picked up, he has to cut his walks down. Because 3.4 walks per nine last year, uh, 4.6 with the White Sox in 2016. If you're going to be on the back end of a back end of a bullpen, you need to get those numbers down. Look, he has to match whatever the market is for an average annual value of 12 million. So whatever the whatever reliever is getting twelve million at the time, he has to be at or better than that. Otherwise, he's going to just get bought out for two. 
There we go. All right, and that's the end of Robertson. Wow. That was 10 minutes, geez. 10 whole minutes. All right, well, now that um, you mentioned uh, the Sox missing out on him, uh, let's shift to the Sox bullpen. Uh, what what happens there? Don't Who, remind me. Uh, is it, are you even getting lots of agita about this? Look, as it stands right now, the Sox are, are in a very technical sense, I think, without a closer, and their bullpen consists of the following, right? You have uh, Barnes, Brazier, Thornburg, Brandon Workman, uh, Bobby Pointer, Hembry, and Johnson is the long man and left, and the long man and another lefty out of the bullpen, and Hector Velasquez. Now, Dombrowski recently doubled down that he wasn't going to give Kimbrell all the years he wants, and they weren't going to make a major expenditure for a closer. So, because so, Kimbrell, um, he's a Boris guy, right? Um, yes. And, and he was I asking, so. and he was asking for around six years at around a hundred. He's asking for he's asking for six years and nine figures. I don't think it's actually been published what his actual ask is, but he's asking for six years. And actually, I don't believe he is a Boris client. Check that. Here, I'm, I'm pulling up his page right now. His eight, David Meter. Yeah, no, he, okay. Right. But the David, oh, and David Meter made news early in the earlier in the off season where he where he called Craig Kimbrell the greatest closer in Major League Baseball history. Well, okay, pump the brakes, buddy. Pump I, the brakes. Num- number forty two has some words for you. I mean, I'm inclined to agree. As does a guy like Dennis Eckersley, or you know, uh, as does as does even a Roldis Chapman has comparable stats to Craig Kimbrell. But Craig Kimbrell's nevertheless Craig. Craig Kimbrell's numbers are really, really great, and he is a top-shelf reliever that's currently on Uh-oh. the market. Uh-oh. The spirit of Rivera is oh, here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Oh, God. No, Uh-oh. I'm getting the sweats. Uh-oh. I'm getting the sweats. It's 1998 again. Okay, he's gone. Okay, he's gone. All right. Well, Thank God. just the idea of putting the two of them in the same in the same conversation <laughs> together. Now, now, mind you, I like Craig Kimbrell. No, he's the- like when when I think it was his first or second year with the Braves. Lights out. He's lights out. It was the first, yeah because when he was the Braves he led he led the National League and one year the majors in saves four years in a row. I said to him back during his during his Atlanta days, if there's one guy who's going to pass Rivera, it's this guy. No, I mean he's look he's and he's had a great career. Uh, a lot of people point to him having somewhat of a down year in Boston, and by that they really mean a down postseason. But we know that he was tipping his pitches, and we know he didn't know about it until the postseason, and nobody knows how long he was tipping his pitches. Right. Well. Was he tipping his pitches, or was he just tired from? Because this is the furthest he's been in the playoffs in his career. I mean, look, the report said that the report said that they figured that they figured out that he was tipping pitches, and then he corrected it, and he was, you know, and, and upon such time as the, you know, as he was reported to have corrected it, his performance did, you know, go in the opposite direction. He got much better. But the point is, Dave Dombrowski has, has said that he's they're not going to make a major expenditure for a closer. This Nor year. should they. That said. I mean, what are they going to do? Well, they're either waiting for Adovino, Adam tr- Adovino, the to, Brooklyn native, to try to pick him up for to try to pick him up for cheap and for fewer years, or they're waiting till Kimbrel's mar- till Kimbrel's ass comes down. Number two, they think they can get through the regular season and rely on, on Alex Cora to get get them in their bullpen through the playoffs. Yeah, and number or number three, I think they might think, and this is the one I actually think it is. I think they might think that they have that they have the bullpen they want right now, and that plus some kids from the minors, and plus maybe Nathan Eovaldi, they could put they could put together not only a workable but a very good bullpen this year yeah. into the playoffs. I mean, I I said to you um, 
about a month ago. I think Brian Johnson would be a great closer for the Red Sox just because he's got that velocity. He's a lefty. You don't like besides Chapman. I can't think of many other lefty closers out there. I mean, currently he's been used as a starter. Now you know. Now he's so is Rivera. Now he's now he's slated as the bullpen. Let's you know. Let's see where that goes. I don't actually think that. I don't honestly believe that they're targeting him. In the closer role, I think it's either Barnes or Brazier's job to lose at this point. From a velocity standpoint, yes. I mean, and not only that, from a makeup standpoint, Brazier came in and had a, dare I say, a Larry Anderson-like second part, not even second part, 33 innings last year. Uh, his ERA was, I think, around 1, 1.7. Uh, he, he just looked really great down the stretch and in the playoffs, gave him some big innings, gave him some high leverage innings. Matt Barnes did the same, gave him some big innings in September, gave him some high leverage innings and high leverage innings in the playoffs. They both looked really, really good. Also alongside Joe Kelly, who completely turned it around in the playoffs, it seemed, and was, you know, somebody that the Red Sox, that Sox fans really hadn't seemed to see much of. Uh, during his tenure with the Sox. Ryan Brazier last year, uh, 34 games, 33.2 innings, 1.60 ERA, 29 strikeouts. That's not bad. Uh, from it's a good your, line. Out it, of that bullpen, it was great. Yeah. It's like uh, a breath of fresh air if you're watching. I think that what that means, you're going to see um, Brazier try out for the closer role, assuming Kimbrell doesn't come back. I think so, Because yeah. like we, we've discussed, all you really need, need from a top closer is high case per nine and decent enough velocity. Sure. Uh, and, and the and the makeup to get it done, and and you can't walk it. You can't walk people. You know, no, you can't. You, you, I mean, you can't let you can't let. I mean, the the. <laughs> I mean, he's it's cardiac Craig at this point. Today. Yeah. I mean, he's letting Kimbrel's letting you know a couple guys on base every playoff game. Three guys on base here, two guys on base. There. I also have have my Drives own. I have my own doubts about Kimbrel and that. Like, I don't think that he can really take the heat of the rivalry. Because in every, in almost every game of, of his that I watched this year against the Yankees, he seemed to be struggling with his command. Um, I went to one game in May where uh, the, the Red Sox took a late lead off a Hanley Ramirez home run. This was before they released him. Uh, and Kimbrell came on to, to get six outs. Um, he was walking a lot of guys, gave up a scratch hit there. Brett Gardner hits the go-ahead triple, gives the Yankees the lead for good. Um, and then... We, uh, we saw in the playoffs whether he's tipping pitches or just tired, what have you. What I've seen from Craig Kimbrell against the Yankees, because here, let, let me pull up his splits against them now, now that we're talking about it. That's not Craig Kimbrell, that's Ryan Brazier. <laughs> but anyway, like, um, so. I get what you're I saying. The rivalry, if, the rivalry is definitely a different beast, and, and I think we've, both, we've seen on both sides uh, guys who, uh, I think Sonny Gray is a decent example, guys who don't re- come into the rivalry and don't really excel. Yeah, uh, but that said, I think I mean, something where he came into New York and didn't really excel. That's what I mean. I think, I, I mean, come into the rivalry. You know what I mean? Um, I think that uh, in terms of Kimbrel, I think his troubles were more. Kimbrel three point nine eight career ERA against the Yankees in yeah. twenty one games. I mean, look at Chapman's career ERA against the Red Sox. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's over five. Does he not have? You know, would you not trust him to close out a World Series? I don't think you'd say that. I think the I think the issue with Kimbrel, I feel like the issue with Kimbrel was more mechanical because after the he's got that weird herky jerky lineup lined up yeah after the issue was noted, you know he was he was pretty great in the playoffs. Uh, or not, I mean in the, in the World Series anyway. I mean he you know he 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 didn't blow any saves. I mean he, he really, was right he was right there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the Red Sox. 
you, you've also mentioned, I mean, what about the minor leagues? Do they have anyone there that they can call up and possibly do the job? I mean, there's four guys that I think they've highlighted. Um, Darwinton Hernandez, he's he's a... Darwinton, tw- that's a name. Dar- it's a great name. I love it. Darwinton Hernandez, he's 21 years old out of Venezuela. He's posted a 3.53 ERA um, in 107 innings between uh, high A and double A. Um, you know, he's got a plus fastball. He shows a he so, shows kind of flashes of a plus breaking ball, and he's somebody that they really that they really like and are kind of targeting for uh, for relief opportunities. But he's not due up. Um, you know, certain people think that he's not due up until maybe late two, late 2019, maybe even 2020. Travis Lakins is another guy. He's a 24 24 year old guy out of Ohio, Ohio State. He put up a two 2.32 ERA in 54 innings between Double A AA and Triple A. Uh, you know he's got he's got a fastball. He's got a good cutter, and you know if he's if he's got good com- if he's got good command, he's moving and grooving. Another guy is Durbin Feltman. They think he's kind of a they think Durbin they think Feltman's kind of on a rocket ship to the majors uh, because. Uh, well, Texas Christian breeds good pitchers. The, the, the state of Texas in general does. I mean, look, he's he had a one point nine three ERA in twenty three innings uh, in the in you know in A ball. Um, and he's got a, he's got a plus fastball. He's got a great slider, and he's got a changeup that does need some work. But they you know they like what they see out of it. Um, you know people people think that he could be ticketed. Certainly, I've I've seen I've seen people suggest that he could be ticketed to the majors in 2019. Other people think that he's not going to be there till 2020. Uh, and then you got Car- Car- Carson Smith, who's who's something of a, a wild card in that he's you know he's only pitched. 14 innings the past three years, but he's got plus stuff. His stats, you know, when he's when he's on, he's on. And they think that you know if uh, he might be he might be able to come up to the bullpen and make some hay at some point. So they they're not completely without options. But I mean, I think we both have to recognize that the Red Sox don't have the greatest farm system in the major leagues either. Yeah, they don't. So I I, I think it's more likely that if Ivaldi stays healthy, uh, he's he's not only a great signing because. Be, He's he's a great signing, obviously, if he stays healthy. But he's a great signing because of his flexibility, as we saw in the postseason. Right? He can move between the bullpen. He could he could he could start. He could move to the bullpen. And I think actually the bullpen might be a pretty good role for Eovaldi because he could obviously handle the moment. He's got plus stuff, you know, and he could really anchor if the bullpen shows signs of faltering. He could really anchor that bullpen for like a month. And if he and if and if they need him to go longer, he could go go longer, or they could pick up an arm mid season. Yeah, I mean, Avaldi can definitely be be like a John. Uh, we got the timer. I'm going to put this put, uh, make this point real quick. He can definitely be a John Smoltz kind of guy who can make starts just as easily as he can close games. Because John Smoltz, he's, I think he's one of two players with 150 wins and 150 saves. Mm-hmm. The other being Dennis Eckersley. But um, the fact is, the the Red Sox they they need to solve this problem soon because. Once Machado and Harper sign, I think that the rest of the market, at least positionally, is going to set. Look, you may be right, but I do think the Red Sox do have the pieces if everything falls into place to have a you know to have a plus bullpen next year. All right, let, let, let's keep talking about bullpens because um, while while Robertson went to the Phillies and the Red Sox are considering what to do on their end, Zach Britton, in a move that I certainly did not see coming, re-signed with the Yankees. He's 31 years old, three years, 39 million guaranteed. There's a fourth-year club option for 14 million that must be exercised by the Yankees after the second year. If the Yankees don't opt in, Britain can then opt out. Um, Paulie, I thought that Britain for sure was going to leave for closer money because he—that's what he was in Baltimore. He's—he's uh, he's a, a closer who induces a lot of ground balls, 
with that power sinker. Right. And here he is sticking on as a setup man for the Yankees. You know, but his 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 contract is in line with other contracts that have been handed out to relievers this year. Yes, it absolutely is. You know, Andrew Miller, two years, 27.5 guaranteed. Joe Kelly, three years at 25, and Juris Familia with, with three years and 30 million. Uh, he's even on the high end of what's been handed out so far. I don't think there's a robust... I feel like there's not a robust market for relievers out there right now. And I think this contract is a really great signing for Zach Britton in that it yes. gives him personally a lot of flexibility. And Britton said um, towards the end of the season he would like to – he was interested in a reunion with the Yankees. Uh, he, his – I think it's his mother or his grandmother who's Dominican, so he, so he actually knows the city quite well. Um, but – all in all, all this really does. I think that it's a um, he's taking Robertson's spot. He'll be like right. a, like a sixth or seventh inning guy, sort of that bridge to Dellen Batances and Aroldis Chapman. Maybe swap into either their roles here and there. And here and here's the crazy part. After Robertson signed with the Phillies, I wrote an article saying how the crafting how the Yankees can best pitch Adam Adovino. The more we've been talking here, the more I realize I think I know why teams have not um, ponied up cash to sign Adovino. Because he's really coming off of one really, really, really good year. Right. I mean, they don't want to pay. They don't want to. They don't want to buy high. Yeah. They they don't want it to be like, oh, he's he's performing, getting paid, and then that's the end of that. I mean, as as far as it goes for the for the Yankees and the Red Sox, I think it's. I don't think this is a balance shifting signing. I think it's a, definitely a hold serve yeah, for the Yankees. That, that's I, absolutely. I, the case. I think they maintain their bullpen edge with this signing. Their six, seven, eight, nine is as good as anybody in baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, so. you also have to understand Zach Britton when he was when he came to the Yankees. Aroldis Chapman's knee was really bothering him. Right. The bridge to the bullpen was shaky. We didn't know just how how much of Chapman we were going to have left until the knee finally uh, went kaboom. Now, it didn't go kaboom. Like, Chapman came on late in the se- later in the season and on the whole looked okay. Sure. But it was clear throughout last year, like, his knee was bothering him and it was affecting his control. Yeah, he wasn't the Chapman that we I think we'd, gro- we, we'd grown used to. Right. And and so Britton came on just to make that bridge a little stronger, maybe throw in the ninth inning uh, on an as-needed basis. I mean, I... I I like it. like I said I like the signing for the Yankees and I do like it for Britain. The only thing I the only thing I think is is that Boone if he's good, to really make this bullpen tell, you know, to make the the difference in strength of of bullpen mean something in terms of the rivalry between the the Sox and the Yanks, he's got to use them differently. You can't keep these guys on the bench while your starters are getting hammered. You know, yeah. you you have to I I I think Boone needs to take it I think Boone needs to at least be open to a more leverage-based use of his plus bullpen because he's got one, and you know it should be used. Yeah, I mean he's he's not gonna he's not gonna use openers. Just no, because like I, I have a weird feeling that now that the Rays and Oakland had their fun with openers, teams are gonna be wise to it this year. No, but is he but is he a bit quicker with the hook? You know, maybe if Severino doesn't have it, I think he will be a little quicker with the hook. Just because last year it was his, it was his first year at the helm. He even said in his uh in his post game in his postseason press conference, like at the end of the season presser, he was saying how the things he had to improve the most were getting information to players and communicating with his coaches. Because I think that this year he's got he knows out what to expect from Larry Rothschild, who's often described as a lovable curmudgeon. Um. 
And I think that what, now that they know what they have to work with, what the goal of the pitching staff is, they're going to enter spring training a lot more in sync. And then this is this is me saying that as someone who who last season was Larry Rothschild's worst critic. No, and I and I think the Yankees are really poised to make another, uh, not only another run but another deep run next year. And I think we're we're I, I hope that we're slated for another battle between a couple of juggernauts in the AL East. The only other thought that I had about the Britain signing is what does this do? To Chapman, I don't think Chapman will ever opt out because his average annual value is too high at seventeen point two million. I don't think he's. I don't think he's ever going to take his the opt o- out. The only circumstances under which I can see Araldus Chapman opting out of his contract are if now keep in mind he's in the AL East. This is where banging the ball out of the park is the name of the game. Oh, at least it was for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, no, no. But you, you, you look at all those teams. You got you got the Yankees. You've got the uh, the Red Sox, Orioles. They they got some guys on those teams who can mash the ball out of the park. No, these lineups are meat grinders. They're, yes, they're literally meat grinders. Yes, like any any pitcher who sees that they're playing an AL East team goes, huh, okay, here we go. It's gonna be a long night. It, it but, is going to be a long But night. the Red yeah. Sox and the Yankees, interesting step. But the Red, but the Red Sox and the Yankees saw among the most pitches. Uh, or uh, had had the most at bats per inning last year, at at plus four. Think about that for a minute. Plus four on average. That means on average you're never getting a clean inning against these teams. Yeah, because they they That's draw crazy. Walks, they scratch out base hits. Uh, but anyway, back to Chapman. Unless he comes back this year, is fully healthy, pitches the lights out, and has like forty plus saves. I don't see him opting out. And even if he does opt out, like who's going to give him $20 million a year? That's what I mean. Is he ever going to beat the average annual value of his contract now? If no, if the answer is no, which I believe yeah. it is, he's never opting out. Yeah. So they're kind of stuck I with don't him. think he's opting out. Um, I'm but, ne- if, but if his performance takes a nosedive and Zach Britton overtakes him for that closer's role and maybe Chapman's relegated to the eighth inning, does he quit on you? You know, I you, hope not. Are you worried about something? I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, do you have to be worried about something? I mean, like not that? for nothing, Paul. Under circum under certain circumstances, and this is against the Red Sox taking Chapman's career numbers against them out of the picture. Sure, I would prefer to have Zach Britton on the mound in the ninth inning against them, just because he induces so many ground balls. Yeah, the Red Sox last year, you he, saw they were a, a line drive hitting team. He doesn't they seem were to playing be affected. Astro- they were playing Astro Ball. He doesn't seem to be as affected by the rivalry moment. As Chapman is that said, he hasn't taken the mantle as the Yankees closer in a big game against the Sox that maybe means the division. So if that happens, we'll see what happens to Britain. But Chapman has. Uh, the- yeah, but now here's a question I have for you, which you also took extensive notes on. You think that this deal is going to be bad for baseball? I, I think it's bad for the players, actually. I think it, I, or at Please least. Please explain. At, at the very least, I think this deal, it's called the swell opt, according to Scott Boris. I think this deal signals a, a loss of leverage by the players. And, and, and what does that mean? Well, I, what, I mean by, what I mean by that, first, what, what, the he, what the heck's the swell opt? The swell opt is, all right, for the, according to Scott Boris... To and, Ken, he said, and he said this to Ken Rosenthal, yes. To, to Ken Sorry Ro- to cut you off. To Ken Rosenthal, and Jack Dickey reports in, in uh, Sports Illustrated, for the club, if the player performs well, the club can opt in, the contract swells. For the player, if the club doesn't opt in, the player has the choice to continue with the contract swell 
or opt out. It's a swell option for both. I yeah. don't think I don't think it is because it gives the club the leverage to cut the to, it gives the club the club the leverage to to cut the thing short first. It's what it, what I mean by that is simply I don't think that the swell opt is good for players because it's a concession to less well to fewer guaranteed years for players. Yeah, and, and it, it also opens up a can of worms because you because as we went over the terms of the deal earlier, the Yankees can opt in for a fourth year sure. after the second year. But if they don't exercise that option, Britain can then opt out. Now, the Yankees could choose not to exercise that option for a number of reasons. They got to save cash. Uh, uh, they got to save money for an uh, for another player they want to target. Right. The, there are so many. There's a myriad number of reasons as to why the Yankees would not opt in for that fourth year of Britain that have nothing to do with how good or bad a pitcher he is. I just don't think of I just don't think the sales approach let me let me give you a taste and then you'll buy the whole thing, which is basically what this deal is, is is the business proposition of the side that has the leverage. I think we've seen uh, in the at least in the past two years, free agents are taking longer and longer to sign. They're going mm-hmm. into February. They're going into March. It's more one. There's there's more and more one year deals. Uh, I I think that the I think that the the teams are really putting the screws to the players in terms of, in terms of how many multi year deals deals they're willing to hand out and how many. Um, versus how many one-year deals they're willing to hand out, versus how willing they are to just leave leave guys unsigned till late, in, you know, till 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 spring training. If and then there's to. the analytics factor as well, but we don't have enough time for that. We could spend an entire episode talking about that. No, but the point is that with the point is with the you know with the rise of advanced analytics, players to teams, and I think fans become more fungible. So if you, it doesn't matter that it's that you know that it's Zach Britton anymore. It's just a guy that that pitches to a 2.2 ERA and has you know uh, it has eight walks per nine inning. I think the fans are just as happy if you can get somebody who might be unheralded that could do that rather than Zach Britton. Either way, I'm glad to have him back. Um, if we get out of Vino, I'll be thrilled. I'm just curious as to where he's going to pitch. No, it's going to be another. This guarantees, I think, another another really juicy rivalry in the AL East. Can't wait. All right, let's shift away from bullpenning, and this is and this is not your notes because this happened this afternoon. Can't wait. The Yankees made a largely unprecedented move. They did sign a free agent today, but it wasn't Manny Machado. Oh my God, who was it? They gave two years and $24 million to second baseman DJ LeMayhew. Wait, 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 wait. DJ who? DJ LeMayhew, formerly of the Colorado Rockies. Now, this is actually a really interesting signing because DJ LeMayhew, he's about 30 years old. Here, I'm going to pull up his numbers right now. Yankee fans on Twitter lost their minds. Yeah, because they came through. Well, that, that's why you don't pay attention to Twitter because a lot of fans are uh, as plugged in as we are. Sorry, fans. Sorry, all my followers on Twitter. I love you. Do not unfollow me. <laughs> anyway, same goes for you, Paul. Anyway, so DJ LeMayhew, he's gonna he's gonna be 30 this season. He turns 30 on. Oh no, he is 30. I'm sorry. He's thir- he's 30 years old. Turned 30 in July. Um, he played for the Rockies and actually is pretty decent. He's got three Gold Gloves. He's got. He won the batting title in 2016. Hit 348. So they find, signed a former batting champ for what 24 million dollars. Yeah, over two years. That's 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 not too shabby. It seems like to me. And he's versatile. He plays. Yeah, you know, he could play all over the infield. Yes, and he's um, kind of somebody that they might need. Jack Curry said after he first broke the news of the sign. Now Jack Curry is a longtime Yankee beat writer who's now uh, a studio analyst for the Yes Network. Also does some sideline reporting. He um, made the point the Yankees plan to use him at second base, 
third base and first base. Sure, he's gonna he's a utility guy. Yeah, in, so in part, in, in part, and I don't mean utility in the in the uh, in the way that utility usually gets meant, which means you know guy that gets you know very few plate appearances. I mean, he's like a bit of a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, um, he it's almost like he's like Neil Walker. That's what he's right. gonna be this year. Now, granted, there are more more times than I'm uh, more times than I care to admit. Last season, I said how I wanted to uh, put Neil Walker through a wall because of how inconsistent he was. <laughs> but but uh, DJ LeMahieu, I mean, last year he all right, his batting average took a hit last year, two seventy six, but he also hit a career high fifteen home runs. I mean, look, he's a two seventy. Even if he is a two seventy five hitter, um, you know, you don't know if Tulowitzki is going to be. You know the Tulowitzki of old. You're you're probably you're probably inclined to think not, and that he that it might be more of a platoon situation at his position. That's what I think as well, because I think that because lo- let's look at it this way. So the Yankees signed Troy Tulowitzki for the absolute veterans minimum, which is about five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. Michael came to the point how if the Yankees cut Tulowitzki in spring training, they owe him less than six figures. Now, on now. In reference to that, I think it's a great sign. I think Tulowitzki was a great sign. It was it's, a great sign. All upside. It I was, love it all upside, a, no downside signings. It was a great signing, but now consider this: the Yankees offered him the minimum. Other teams offered him more money. Right. He came to the Yankees because he worshipped Derek Jeter growing up. The LeMahieu signing makes me think that the Yankees are banking on Tulowitzki not quite having it. I think they're hedging. Yes, yeah, they're point. they're hedging their bets against LeMahieu because and plus Clayton, you know, they might want to move they might want to move Torres around. Well, that's what I think because because I'm going to go ahead and assume that uh, the Yankees they they're going to need a lot of to see a lot from Tulo in spring training. They need to see him yeah. play back to backs. They need to see him perform. Yeah. Need to he has to play great shortstop. Has to hit. Yeah, his health is a real question. Yeah, right? and speaking of hitting, LeMahieu for Mister Batting title, Colorado Rockies at Coors Field, three thirty lifetime batting average. On the road, two sixty four, not terrible, but well, I mean, look if 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 interleague if interleague plays on the schedule in Colorado, I mean, I know who's playing. Yeah, I now now Joel Sherman of the New York Post, who is supposed to be on vacation, uh, he has had several Twitter threads today explaining the signing. Uh, why are you? Why are people freaking out about this though? And I think it's obvious, but you know, it'll probably lead us into our next people point. People are why, why, why people are, are freaking out because it all but confirms the Yankees are out of Machado. Right now, there's no. I don't know how you can be out on him because they, according to my to sources that I've read about or that I've he- that I've heard, they haven't even made an offer. Right. How can you be out on somebody if you don't make an offer? How can how can you be out on somebody you were never in on? That's exactly the point. And now Sherman is saying about about Lemayhew. Um, he said, Yankees have to worry that Void is that Luke Void is flashing the pan and Bird never stays healthy, so Andohar moves to first base, LeMahieu plays third. That Tulo can't stay healthy, Torres moves to shortstop, LeMahieu plays second. Andohar's defense remains a drain, LeMahieu defends late at third base. They're giving Boone options. Yeah, a team, and an option, a team trying and a to win. Hitter. A team trying to win attempts to have as many quality contingency plans as possible. Plus, LeMahieu provides defense and low strikeout rates, both strengths of Didi Gregorius, and both overall deficiencies on the team, particularly infield defense. And the Yankees, look, and the Yankees can afford to take chances and to have even and to have contingency plans that are more expensive than other teams than other teams would even consider. Yeah, and and speaking to Machado. Sherman continues, guess it is always possible Yankees could still pivot to Machado, but always thought they'd never budge unless he lowered demands, and maybe not even then. I don't think they were scared by his October behavior nearly as much as having another mega deal with Stanton on the books. Right. Do I do think New York Yankees believe Andujar has a chance to grow into an average defender, plus his bat makes him above average overall player at limited costs. And if they're wrong, they could play on Nolan Arenado left se- uh, next offseason. 
a player I sense like better than Machado. So the Yankees are giving themselves options. And I think that's I think that's not only a valid point, but I think that's the point. Um, I don't think you need to I don't think you need to break the bank when you have on Machado necessarily when you have really quality bats in your infield already. You really do. Yeah. Between Torres and Duhar, you have a, you have a lot of firepower on that infield. Yes, you do. Um, and while Andujar's defense is a concern, what do the Yankees do in late late in games uh, end of last season? Took him out, put in a Danny Echeverria. Sure. I mean, okay, his bat isn't as good, but I saw that catch he made in the wild card game against the A's. That leaping line drive catch. I mean, look, could it be that the Yankees are? Dare I say, envious of the Red Sox, and that in that you know that the Red Sox have, you know, have that you know have a have a player like Brock Holt, you know, have a you know were they looking for a, were they looking for their own Brock Holt, some Swiss Army knife that could really well they have that in Tyler Wade, but that could really be plugged into any part of the infield. I think that's what they I think that's part of what they found for for Aaron Boone here. Um, I think another another thing you can talk about this is that LeMahieu is just that he is a super utility man. Yeah, just like Neil Walker was last year. We're gonna hit. Yeah, I mean I don't know what to expect from him as a Yankee because Coors Field is a much different animal than Yankee Stadium. But at the same time, even if he does not uh, perform up to par, that's an easily movable deal. Yeah, teams will take on half of a half of twelve million dollars plus another year for twelve, no problem. Yeah. I mean, it could it could be another Brandon Drury situation, but you never know. Uh, but on the whole, I really like the signing. Uh, you can never. There's no such thing as too much depth. No, and I think it's a, I think it's a good smart hedge against what they've currently got on their infield right now. I think uh, I think the LeMayhew signing. I think the LeMayhew signing is a savvy move. I think it gives Boone a lot of options, not only not only in spring training but beyond. I, yeah. I, I I just think any any tools you can give your manager that might give that manager an edge in a close game at any point during the season is a tool you want to give your manager. Yeah, but to answer your question that you just posited, uh, are the Yankees envious of the Red Sox and Brock Holt? <laughs> it's that's a very good question because I I remember reading uh, Billy Martin's autobiography that came out in the early '80s. This was when I was in college. Apparently, the the late George Steinbrenner. He wasn't so much as worried about a rivalry with the Red Sox as he was looking uh, looking worse than the Mets, because that the Yankees, uh, they're same pl- city, they're playing the Mets in spring training goes back several years, and if the Yankees ever lost to the Mets in spring training, Steinbrenner would apparently blow his stack. And look, and in the '80s, the Mets were winning. The Mets won a title in '86. Obviously, unfortunately, well, no, no, well, no this, this would have been in the uh, in the '70s, late '70s, uh, like mid late '70s, yeah. Well, I mean, it's still not surprising. That, I mean, the, even so, the Mets had the Mets had come, the Amazons had come off of a title in the late '60s. You know, you I remember I remember back in the day, Mike and the Dog talking about George Steinbrenner trying to steal the back pages from the Mets, or the Mets yeah. trying to steal the back pages from Big George. You know, yeah. I I think that I think that that's a that's a real thing, and it's unsurprising. And it's unsurprising that they, he didn't see the Red Sox as a rival because they always beat the Sox back then. Yeah, I mean, with '78 being the exception, except, um, except for the uh, the Bucky Dent game. Yeah, you always beat the Sox back then. Yeah, but the Sox they they kind of lost <laughs> in '78, but that's another that's another show entirely. Right, um, who do we got up next? Well, hold on, We're, we still got a couple minutes on this. My question is: the Yankees they say they're going to give Lemayhew some time at first base. What does that mean for Greg Bird? Because I'll because I'll admit, first base going to spring training this year is an open competition. You got Greg Bird, who's 
got got a high ceiling, but injuries have been a problem. Injuries have been a problem, and his bat last year was a problem. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. It's so that's so strange though because if, there's a lot of pile on about Greg Bird. If if you look at Bird's numbers from last year, the the hitting metrics compared to his career rates are largely unchanged. But I do think that Greg Bird lost somewhere along the line, lost the trust of Boone, especially late in the season as they were driving towards the playoffs. I don't think it was so much he lost the trust of Boone. He just, like, Boone was like, we're in a position where we need to win games right now. Right, and Greg Bird's not going to do that yeah, for us. Yeah, Luke Voigt's going to do that. And right. Voigt did great. He right. he was like Shane Spencer 2.0. I don't know, you remember 1998 as well as I do. I do. I thought Shane Spencer was going to be a star in left field for years to come. Everyone did. Yeah, and he... He just never lived up to it. It just never materialized. Yeah, he tore up his knee. Right. Dealt with some other injuries. Had, I think uh, was in the Mitchell report on top of that. But you have to admit, as much potential as Luke Voigt has to be that guy for the Yankees, he has just as much potential to be a flash in the pan. Sure. Because it's such a small sample size. But after his season last year, don't you feel like it's Luke Voigt's to lose? I feel that it is Greg Bird's to lose because still feel it's I Greg still Bird. feel it's Greg wow. Bird's to lose. Be- now call me a bird loyalist. Call me whatever you want. You are a bird loyalist. I am a bird loyalist. Um, You're I've- a filthy <laughs> bird loyalist. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little weird in there. Uh, but a- anyway, I think that Luke Voigt, he was just on the hot streak for the ages. That's, uh, That's some hot streak. Yeah, and we'll just – I'll see him in spring training. That's all I'll say. I, I, you may be right, but I think it's, I think it's, I, I think it's Luke Voigt's to lose at this point. And you, and you may be right. I may be crazy. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the final topic of the evening. We're going to wait for the alarm to go off because I'm a traditionalist. Two, one, and there we go. Let's hit it. All right. Last topic of the evening, Paul, Manny Machado. There's a lot going on here now. I don't get my wish. That Manny, that that nine Manny Machados are going to are going to sign with the Yankees, in that he's going to play the nine Manny Machados are going to play before an audience of Manny Machados, <laughs> uh, a stadium filled with Manny Machados is, before a nation filled with nothing but Manny Machados. Are you talking about Manny Machado or the Council of Ricks? I'm talking about Manny Machado. I'm talking about the Council of Manny Machados. So you're saying Manny Machado's a Rick? I, we he, watch a lot of Rick and Morty. I folks. think I think he's definitely a Rick. <laughs> I, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's definitely right. No, 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 no. He he gives he gives zero craps about anything. He's definitely a wreck. I don't know which Rick he is, but he's a wreck. All right. So it with this Lemay, I'm going to go ahead and assume that with the Lemay Hugh signing, the Yankees are out of Manny Machado. I I agree. Bob Nightingale tweeted today that there are three teams left in the mix. There's the Chicago White Sox, the Philadelphia Phillies, and a mystery team. Let's start with the Chicago White Sox, Paul. Um, rumor has it that neither they nor the Phillies have even come close to offering $300 million like he wants. Right. Uh, but at the same time, they've got Yonder Alonso, who's his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and they've got, they just signed John Jay. Yes. These three guys train together in Miami every offseason. That is true. So even if even though the White Sox are not going to win the World Series next year, they, they've got a stocked minor league system that is set to contend within the next couple of years. Yeah. So to do that alongside two of your best buddies, I mean, do you turn down more money to do that? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you do. Uh, we have seen, I think, in, in other in, in other sports and other um, uh, other sports is, is that ball players getting together with with friends of theirs, with guys that they've known, guys that they've trained with. We we've we certainly have seen that. I think ultimately, the dollar signs are going to win Manny Machado. 
And yeah. and I don't really think that it mat. I don't think that the playing situation matters. I think he's the, I think he's looking to maximize his gains from this particular contract. He wants as much guaranteed money for as many years as possible. And I do think he's going to go with whoever offers him the most. I, I don't think that I I really don't think it makes that much of a difference. Well, that I think it's a nice perk. Yeah, but I don't think it makes ultimate. I mean, if the if the White Sox offered him two fifty. You know, for if all things all things being equal, years being equal, if the White Sox offered him two fifty and the Phillies offered him two eighty, I think he goes to the Phillies. All right. Uh, well, speaking of the Phillies, they too um, did not offer three hundred million dollars. But I think it was um, either John Heyman or Ken Rosenthal uh, tweeted this week that they were getting ready to increase their offer. Not surprising. I think the Phillies really want to make a move. I'm yes. Signing Robertson is kind of the tip of the iceberg for that, but I think they want to make a big splash. And, and the they, Phillies are also meeting with Bryce Harper in Las Vegas this week. I mean, the, this weekend rather. It's articles have been floated about two mega sign. You know about the Phillies sign. You know, getting them both. You know what happened. You know, spending stupid money. Right. You know, seven hundred million dollars. Let's do it. But I mean, it, I, I mean, the Phillies are also kind of an interesting crossroads, similar to the Yankees, because the Phillies have Mike Alfranco, who is a talented hitter when he's uh, hitting consistently but isn't the best uh, defender at third base so if the Phillies do sign Machado they need to find a market for Franco I mean I think they'll I think they'll find it but if you're if you're if you're in the money for let me put it this way if you're in for the if you're in for the dollars to sign Manny Machado I don't yeah. think you care about the relative pennies in for a penny in for a pound right I, I I don't think you I don't think you really care about that if you're if you're looking to sign Manny Machado and really make and really make a, a move here I don't I I I, like I said, I just think he goes where where the most money is. His wife wants him to come to New York. Yeah, let, let's touch on that because I don't think that I don't think that that's obvious. I, I really don't think that that's happening. But it, I, I mean, I don't I don't blame her. New York's a fantastic city. Yeah, because they're New York is a great city for several reasons. Because the money that he would potentially lose in a contract, he can ma- probably make more than that in endorsements. Just right. being in New York, right? Um, but at the same time, I just. The Yankees know what what they want. Yeah, they don't need Machado because we've said several times, not to sound like a broken record, the Yankees won a hundred games last year. Didn't have Judge or Gary Sanchez for two months. Had a shaky starting rotation. Greg Bird wasn't at his best. Didi Gregorius was hurt a couple of times. Why go after him at all? The Yankees are playing. I mean, I don't even think the Yankees are playing out of their minds last year. They're just a really great. They're just just have a really complete ball club. And I don't think they need Manny Machado. And, and more to the point, and for any speculation that the mystery team might actually be the Yankees, I think if the Yankees wanted him, they'd already have him. Yeah, because, I mean, there was a report from uh, from the Post, uh, or the Daily News, I can't remember which, uh, that pretty much said, oh, yeah, yeah, it was the Post. Uh, it, this is from Joel Sherman as well. The Yankees, um, they talked to Machado, haven't talked to Harper yet, but right. rumor has it that neither player – likes the idea of playing in Philadelphia, and they would both rather be in New York. Well, I mean... Now, signing Bryce Harper to the Yankees, that's easy enough. You just make Brett Gardner the fourth outfielder. Sure. There, you're done. Sure. Machado is... And he, you know, and he goes, in, he goes in Monument Park at the end of his career like all the rest. But, yeah, yeah. but Machado... Is, I think Machado was a bit more difficult given their infield situation. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but gun to your head, where do you want him to go? Chicago or Philadelphia? Manny Machado? Let's go to Philly. I'm going to say Philly, too. Get him out of the league. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Because <laughs> I've been saying for a while now, I feel that the Yankees only got involved with Manny Machado just so another team would overpay. Right. Which, that's a very cashman thing to do. Yeah. Like, 
make the market set itself uh, thanks to one team's mistake. I mean, you know whose heart just sank when you said that neither team wanted to offer Manny Machado $300 million? <laughs> Mookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good way to close out the show. we got a few minutes left. Um, so, shifting away from Manny Machado, because we, we would just be talking in circles about that, uh, Mookie Betts. $20 million in arbitration, the reigning AL MVP. I mean, he won the MVP, so of course yes. he's going to, you know, pay that man his money. Right. You know, he's he's going he's going to get it, but I think this is the year where the Red Sox really have to make a move and start talking about a contract extension if they're really serious about keeping him. Yeah, and so, I, but now the Red Sox, they have a great core. they got Mookie Betts, they got Andrew Benintendi. Who reportedly, it's he's not named, but they are in contract extensions with one of their, they are in ex- extension talks with one of their core players, and and the reports are that they don't believe that it's Betts, um, and so that kind of leaves, and with with Bogert's coming up to, you know, to the end to the end of his club control next year, that they believe that it's going to be Benintendi, who's who's not due for free agency until 2022, and who they believe I th- I think the Red Sox are going to end up just buying out the rest of his club control years and extending him a couple two or three years after that. The, the, yeah, Benintendi, you mean? Benintendi, yeah. That I'm wouldn't sorry. that wouldn't surprise me because I mean I, I I watch Andrew Benintendi and I see uh, I see Fred Lynn. Yeah, I see Dustin. I see shades of Dustin Pedroia. Obviously, he's an outfielder. Yeah. I see Dwight Evans. And yeah, just just like the kind of player who shows up and plays his heart out every day. Right. Because right. Andrew Benintendi, he's not going to hit 30 home runs in a year. He's not going to be like a, he'll have. I think he'll have his 30 home run years. I mean, he'll have. I think he'll have. I think one or two. But sure, I, but, I, no, I, but, but like, but not. like when we look back on on the legacy of Andrew Benintendi, I don't think we're going to look at him as a 30 100 type of guy. No, he. I mean, they're moving him to the leader. If I have to, if I had to buy stock in any major league player, I would buy it in Andrew Benintendi going into next year with the shift uh, in the lineup between him and Betts. You know, yeah. now he's got Betts batting behind him. Uh, I you know I think this is going to mean not only way more opportunities for Betts to knock in some runs, but I think it's going to mean you know uh, a better a better uh, a better better pitch pitch rotations for uh, for Benintendi. I think this is going to I think I think he's due to feast. I really do. Yeah, uh, if there's one guy on the Red Sox who I don't think is nearly appreciated enough, it is Andrew Benintendi, just because like that swing, he can hit the ball to all fields. Right. He's got a great stride in the outfield. He's, he can play multiple outfield positions. I mean, we're entering an age of baseball where versatility is key. Sure. I mean, we saw it, we saw it today with uh, the Yankees signing DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. But it, when it comes to Andrew Benintendi, the Red Sox, they've got to pay him soon or risk losing him. I think I think, and I think they are. I think, like I said, I think they're going to buy out his buy out of the the years that he's on. I mean, pl- he's a perfect the, example of why their window's closing. They're going to buy out. There's they're going to buy out his arbitration years, and they're they're going to extend him. And the fans love him. Yeah. He's a fan favorite, and especially after that catch in Houston last year. I mean, he's just, that was a great catch in a gutsy catch too. But you know, but the but the market for Machado and Harper is going to determine the market for Betts. So you know, I'll be interested to see you know from a Sox perspective what these guys actually do end up signing for because that's going to mean a great deal uh, to the contract talks between Betts and the Red How Sox. How many arbitration years does he have left? I think this. I think this is his. I think he's due. To become a free agent after next season. Yeah, let's find out. Looking up real fast, Mookie Betts. He's making twenty million this year. He will hit free agency. He's got one more year of arbitration. Right. So if he's making twenty million this year, I think that if he matches his pace by mid-season, you need to start talking extension with. Him. I think that I think I think the. I'm you know obviously I'm not with the club, uh, but I believe 
I strongly believe that the extension talks are going to take place. I think they're going to get this. They don't want this hanging over the team midseason. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't if I were them. So if they can't get it done in February or March, they'll table it till after the season. But I think they're going to start talking in February or March. I really believe that. Yeah, you're probably right. You may be right. You may be right, too. Maybe that's <laughs> Oh, there's the timer. Hang All out. Right. All right. Uh, oh, just got a tweet from John Heyman. Uh, the Giants were pulling hard for uh, DJ LeMayhew. So that, that shakes things up a bit. Anyway, we could talk about our respective teams' uh, extension candidates on another show. Maybe that'll be our next show. But this has been uh, You May Be Right with JB and Pauly D. JB, good to talk to you as always. Good to talk to you as well, Pauly D. You got anything uh, you want to add? Um uh, no, no, nothing, nothing. I do, nothing. I want to add except, uh, you know, you know. I hope that uh, the bets contract, the bets contract talks get get ended, and uh, and he's extended for, you know, the, the rest of his career, and he retires a Red Sox. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at JB's World three two eight six. I uh, tweet or retweet lots of stuff there, mostly baseball related stuff, some pro wrestling here and there. You can find me at uh, at Pauly D Sports. Yeah, and uh, this has been, you may be right, part of Elite Sports Radio. Uh, Follow Elite Sports New York on Twitter at EliteSportsNY, EliteSportsNY.com. Paul, as always, pleasure. Absolutely. And remember, when it comes to baseball, you may be right. And you may be right, too. And you may be crazy. Sit back and enjoy the game, folks. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay elite. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood, hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a Greyhound. On the Hudson River line I'm in a New York state of mind I've seen all the movie stars In their fancy cars and their limousines 